Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. It's Juno. Before we start this week's episode of So I Got to Thinking, we just wanted to send the friends and family of Willie Garson, who played Stanford Blatch in Sex and the City, our deepest condolences. Like all queer people, Stanford Blatch was one of our absolute favourite representations of a gay man on television, and he meant so much to so many people, not least Sarah Jessica Parker and the rest of the cast and crew. Sending all our best wishes from So I Got to Thinking. Hello there and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex in the City podcast where we take the timeless questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. As ever, you are listening to Juno Dawson and Dylan B. Jones, and this week we're joined by a very special guest, my friend and senior diversity and inclusion consultant, it's Lang Montgomery. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are welcome any time. Um... This week, we are discussing Season 4, Episode 10, Bells of the Balls. And listener, I think this one's going to be spicy. Um, But before I start ranting, I was just saying to Lang, I'm about seven days away from my anti-androgen injection. So this is when you catch me at my angriest in my hormonal cycle. Um, So before I start frothing, um, Dylan, do you want to open your potted synopsis? Absolutely. Yeah, as always. Um, So the theme for this week is, uh, well, balls. Um, And um, as you know, sex in the city, Mm. we're not really surprised by that um, straight off the bat. So Steve is struggling um, with the fact that he has lost a testicle because of testicular cancer. Um, And that leads to some interesting conversations around masculinity and how men how cis men see themselves um and but it's also obviously relatable to to the modern day um and it's very dodgy issues are raised by Carrie very dodgy things are said by Carrie um about how like having testicles relate to masculinity and just generally like strange strange things afoot in Carrie's narration this week more than usual um samantha um quite a t- quite an interesting storyline for samantha mm, this we week we meet richard so richard is going to be a fixture for a while yeah yeah and i i had forgotten that this is where we first meet richard yeah i didn't realize it was this i didn't realize it was this early um mm, me he too. popped up and i was like oh so yeah richard wright hotelier 
Um, mm-hmm. She applies for a job at his uh, hotel chain, I guess, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and Charlotte, oh, Charlotte and Trey, yeah. continuing <laughs> um, Charlotte <laughs> and Trey's storyline, which has been kind of the same thing for the last six weeks. But um, yeah, so they're still, they're still trying to have a baby, basically. Yeah, and, and actually, if you are a couple attempting or undergoing fertility treatment, it is grueling. <laughs> so may- maybe it is right that we are experiencing a grueling fertility treatment with, with Trey and Charlotte. Yeah. Oh, and then Carrie uh, Big goes to the cabin in the woods. Yes. Uh, and encounters oh, yes. Aiden, yeah. yeah. The, the cabin in the woods is back. And yeah. I kind of hoped we'd seen the last of it. But, but alas, we're, we're back in Suffern. There um, were no squirrels in cute outfits. <laughs> no, no. So, no the, the squirrel did not return after, after last week. Um, we tried to get, we messaged the squirrel on Instagram actually to see if it would be a guest on the podcast, but we did not get a reply. We did not. <laughs> Here we go. Testicles. Um, which is interesting because normally we would start with Carrie. However, I think in order to fully understand everything that we're going to be talking about this week, we kind of need to start off with Steve. Because mm. it is Steve who leads us to Carrie's question, which is this week, are men just women with balls? <laughs> now, <laughs> we find ourselves swiftly in trans corner with this one. And that's right. This episode, we will be, we will be no doubt spending some time in trans corner. So brace yourselves, kids. Um, we're getting into it. We are getting into it. But first of all, let's talk about Steve. Um, so as detailed last week, he has lost one testicle to testicular cancer. Um, I believe we would be calling it a partial orchiectomy. Oh. I think. Um, and, um, he is considering having a testicular implant, which apparently in 2001, when this episode went out, was considered experimental treatment i would think now that having any sort of implant is quite de rigueur really like brazilian butt lifts and bum implants and cheek implants and chin implants you can get implants anywhere so i'm guessing that nowadays steve could have probably got himself a prosthesis relatively easily i would have thought but what's more problematic than his <laughs> a pinto near his penis, as Miranda puts it, what's more problematic than the pinto is the questions it opens up about masculinity. Um, and this question ricochets around all of their lives. So we've got Aiden feeling threatened because big resurfaces. We've got Samantha having to prove her masculinity in a very male workplace. Um, Steve feels like less of a man so Miranda gives him a mercy fuck and, and we all know how, how that turns out for Miranda um, so yeah, what do we think Lang balls and masculinity <laughs> well it's when I was watching it I just well re-watching it actually I was just sort of giggling to myself in certain parts because all these questions around balls that were coming up and just this whole constructed idea of, well, you know, it's this, this less than thing all the time. And also I think this 
um, this pressure for a perfect body in a lot of ways, or this idea of how a body's meant to be. And I suppose being trans, I'm very comfortable with the fact that I don't have a perfect archetype body in order to masculinize further for myself. You know, and actually two weeks ago, I celebrated my 12th birthday, so. <laughs> oh, we just, should say, we should know. say Leng is not 12. No, <laughs> just, no, 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 no. However, um, you know, and, but you know, sort of all I've, you know, noticed is that all the conversations I've ever had or I didn't expect before transitioning was that I'd spend the rest of my life sort of defending or talking about genitalia somewhere along the line and just this interest in things because I know that I pass quite well in a masculine way. So sometimes people have shown surprise and I wish I'd patented what I call the triple stare because sometimes <laughs> when I tell people that I'm trans, it's, it's almost like the music, there's a pause, and then there's like this music from Jaws that starts playing through my mind, so I just watch what people are doing. And then the triple stare starts, and people can't help it, but literally their eyes meet my face, chest, groin, and it moves in this sort of movement. I mean, it's the thing with COVID is, at least with Zoom, it only gets to, like, here now, so I don't know what else they're doing, and probably everyone else is in their pyjamas as well, but it's kind of like, well... It's a really weird thing that happens or people have said, well, do you have balls or do you have this? Or I've even had people patting in my groin now to check <gasps> what's there as well, which, you know, I don't know what they're expecting. Wow. You know, sort of, That's you know, sexual I, assault. But when I'm apparent, I was told to man up and I should be able to take it, apparently, or I should be a bit less sensitive about such things. I mean, I'm sorry, but if ugly people pat me there, I'm not going to be very happy about it, you know, and also it's unconsensual, you know. But, yeah, my gosh. You know, but it is a weird thing. And in other situations, I'm like, well, what do people expect? Do they want, like, you know, do they expect, like, Katy Perry's firework video or something, and all these things to come flying out? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Even brighter than the moon. <laughs> moon, moon, moon. Um, oh my you god know, and it's just very interesting but you know but then also when I've been in other medical situations actually conversations about balls have come up and you know sometimes if I'm being factually true with people you know sometimes it does sound like I'm just trolling them mercilessly where I'll say well you know I'll say well I have got balls but they're ovaries and people look at me I've like, gone out they're like what ovaries and actually really alpha males they hate the word ovaries I've found they get really scared by it so it's actually quite good fun to sort of say it in and because I've worked in different corporate environments doing diversity inclusion and equity work it's been quite fun actually I call it blue suit chicken where sometimes with them I'll be like say a word that they're gonna they'll be like yeah look at me you know I'm all powerful I've got this and I was like ovaries and they're like <gasps> you know and if you say like, menopause or vagina that also makes them run a mile as well so it's quite good fun and it often gets you moved on a bit quicker in a room as well but or it's just a surprise but I think really with the balls thing I was just like wow because it's even that everyone's so fixated on it or you know does and I'm gonna say like I'm making one of Carrie's you know first sentences that she never finishes but you know I'm just like well you know you know, what is it that makes you a man? You know, like dot, dot, dot at the end, you know, and you sort of find yourself thinking, well, what is this? But I have found it quite fascinating in terms of why people deduce things based on that or to see that you're less than just because you've got, you know, one of that. Or when people say, oh, he's only got one ball and stuff, like, you know, like what does that actually mean? Because, you know, you can still have children. And also quite a lot of people, some people say that I've spoken with that have been talking about dating preferences sometimes they've said well I hate big balls or I'm not really into balls so sometimes I'm like why is there this fixation on oh. that because um, I mean this is this is weirdly timely so for the first time in a long time on so I got to thinking we are recording 
almost at the same time that we're going live. <laughs> mm, yeah. So this year, that Dylan and Anne series one, we started off so organised, like where we recorded 12 episodes in advance and like got them all ready. Now we're just like, oh shit, we haven't done next week's episode. I mean, it might but be may- something to do with the fact that we're no longer in lockdown with nothing to do. Other than well, there, the there is that. And also, it's, you know, it kind of helps because actually we can react to what's going on on the set than just like that as well. Yeah. So it's quite, it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but this episode, now, I mean, actually, what's maybe more depressing is that possibly any week that we have ever recorded this podcast, there is probably some bullshit on social media about trans yeah. people and their genitals. Um, <laughs> however, it does feel weirdly um, prescient that this episode has come around on the same week that our health secretary, Sajid Javid, has said that, you know, to to pretend that men have a cervix is like a flagrant disregard of biology and at the same time you know we have rosie duffield mp so this isn't this is a cross-party issue you've got rosie duffield from the labor party also banging on about you know men can't have cervixes and it does feel like this is the time on this podcast you know we've been recording this podcast for nearly two years now where I think it is, it is time to address the cis fascination with trans genitals, because maybe it's part of a bigger problem that we put way too much emphasis on genitals full stop, which is very evident in this episode where, you know, Steve, Steve is attaching a lot of his masculinity to the fact he only has one testicle now, or Samantha is making statements around her gender because she has no balls you know um what do we think is is the world just genital obsessed and where has this obsession come from dylan i think well i was thinking preparing my answer thinking what i was going to say when you'd finished was um gay men are certainly guilty of um of um being obsessed with genitals like send a dick pic um is sometimes the first message you get on Grindr. Um, can you can you explain that to me? Because I've seen the odd one or two. Yeah. And they do just look like a little meaty pipe. <laughs> do you know what? I never understood the appeal of it just out of context. Right? Without, without like a person. The same applies to porn as well. Like when porn is really close focused in on just the dick like the, the dick going in the arse um it's just like what <laughs> it's uh 8 p.m on a monday um it's it's like i don't i don't understand what people get what you get from that like if you can't see facial expressions if you can't see if you have no idea what the person's like or like wh- why is that the only thing that you're focused on it's really bizarre and i wonder why we're taught about I wonder why we're obsessed with it. Maybe because genitals, as kids, we're taught that genitals are like dirty and you shouldn't talk about them. Maybe if it was a bit more, if things were a bit more open, we'd be less obsessed. Ironically, what do you think, Lang? Well, I think it's just really interesting that you know it's like dick is seen as good all the time, or you know it's like this sort of like, or it's fun, or it's like yeah. The minute you say vagina, people get really weird about it. Or the thing about cervix is like it's funny because. I made a comment to a colleague earlier on, actually, um, with some of the stuff that in relation to what 
So I did, I read this thread, you know, and I just sort of said, I'm fed up of every time I open social media sometimes of seeing this, because sometimes I have found myself thinking, well, do I actually have the energy to respond to some of this? Because in some situations as an activist and as a proud member of the trans community and someone that's visible, yes, in times I like to say, you're talking a load of crap, basically, all of you, or, you know, sometimes I don't be like, well, actually I have one, you know, sort of all the time, but sometimes I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, like it would just be nice to not have to always defend that point or you know do that and also working in the type of work that I do I'm always trying to dispel myths barriers biases all that stuff so part of me goes into sort of half work mode half just like and you know why are we still having this conversation and also why is there this obsession because it is an obsession it feels like and Mm. You know, or when people say to me sometimes, have you fully transitioned, i.e. they're asking about genitalia every time, or have you had everything done? And to Dylan's point about dating apps, the funny thing happened in an office I was in once. It was quite hilarious, actually, because it was obviously sort of work I do means that I often sit amongst HR, so it's very female-based. And usually in corporate, this is when I was working in-house anyway, so in corporate settings, Typically, it's mostly a lot of straight white females that work there. And the only men that are there tend to be gay or LGBT or we're a bit more of a minority, let's say. And so obviously being one of two men on a floor once, it was we heard we overheard the usual people having their usual chats about Love Island or their holidays in Dubai, which they seemed to like and wondered why we felt quite excluded or didn't want to be part of that. <laughs> that was just me talking behind you. <laughs> Hi guys. <laughs> but, but but then we realized that we kind of outed ourselves without meaning to once because it was really funny because at one point some one of them had like gathered a load of hours and was going on about tinder and you know me and this colleague we sort of we rolled our eyes we were like oh, god's sake you know what's next and the best bit so I was like you're not gonna believe what happened last night and they were like what and they were like this this guy I was talking to he he sent a dick pic and they were all like Ooh. and anyway me and this other guy we, were, we just turned we we're like what's wrong with that and then we were like whoops we were like wrong out and then we just literally had that outed yourselves (laughs) although I think dick pigs are quite ubiquitous now I think I think we've almost moved into a new phase whereby the unsolicited dick pic is now being treated like indecent exposure and I think that's it's a complicated one because I think this is something that I've heard a lot of straight cis women talking about, which is being bombarded with dick pics on things like Instagram, which isn't even a dating app, first and foremost, you know. So I think it's somewhat different for a cis straight woman to be receiving dick pics on Instagram than it is to enter a space like Grinder. But exactly. that said, going on Grinder shouldn't be consent. You know, logging on to Grinder is not consent to see someone's dick. No, or it's just funny where you don't get any other conversation or you know, sometimes people don't say anything else and it's just there and you're just like, Well okay. I you always know, like I always think of that whenever I get an unsolicited one, I always think of that scene in Bridesmaids, which is like hilarious, where they're like <laughs> where Kristen oh. Wiggs like reenacting do, like do how an Iraq dick and she yeah. sort of goes like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that's the noise in my head when I get an unsolicited dick pic. Um yeah, I don't, I do not understand the motivation behind sending them. No, don't, when don't, people if aggressively you... ask you for pictures as well, you know, it's like they'll sort of, so all those people that for some reason I'm just like, I kind of, I'm kind of perturbed and sort of 
curious at the same time the people that will send you like loads in one go and you're just yeah. like wow you know from different like, angles like, yeah. yeah it's like hi here's my catalogue boom you know, like, they've got them go. all like stored like and they all come through at the same time as well don't they <laughs> D- dylan you might be too famous to be sending dick pics now yes it's maybe. you know we have a lot of listeners now you, you might have reached the place where you 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 just can't yeah. do it anymore because somebody might be like you know that guy from so i got to thinking or, or maybe the ultimate will be, unlike the time when Charlotte repurposed all of her unused wedding pictures <gasps> on jugs, maybe it'll be like Dylan's face will appear on every single Oh, that'll be so nice. Oh, well, actually, I love that scene in this episode where jugs reappears. Jugs yep. is back. Look at her. She has big boobies. Um, oh, that was very again, sweet I... of Charlotte, I thought. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. <laughs> again i look at situations like that and i'm just like i don't get the breast thing i'm just like i got rid of mine so i'm just like you know i just find myself so i'm one of you know so in certain situations like one person said to me i know you're gay and i was like well actually i'm bi they didn't know and i was like what makes you say that so you're one of the few men when you talk at me you look at my you look at my eyes not anything else and i was just like wow but again that was really interesting you know in terms of how people you know are clearly interacting or what people think is their normal way of interacting with someone in a conversation and it you know I was just like wow you know and also part of me it, I was I was a bit drunk at the time so I was like well so I chopped mine off so it doesn't really bother me and then weirdly they didn't want to talk to me anymore and I can't think why but there we go <laughs> I wonder I wonder if now this is how I know and this is how I should I can reach out to Steve and say to him, no one is going to give two shits about your testicles for the very simple reason of the existence of trans men. Now, I am—I um, I describe myself broadly as queer, but um, I have always slept with men because I'm sexually attracted to men. Big spoiler there after 100 episodes of this podcast. And that very much included trans men. And so that's how I knew that what I was attracted to was not genitals, because otherwise I wouldn't have been attracted to trans men. And I sometimes wonder if that is part of the issue with transphobic people, which is that they don't quite know what to do with us sexually, that they see trans men or trans women, and we present some kind of conundrum to their desire. And I sometimes wonder if that's a little bit of a part of the problem, if if I'm honest. I um, think you're right there. Um, because sometimes, you know, I've had conversations with lesbians who to me have been like, well, you know, they're like, well, I don't like men, but you're different. And I'm like, all oh, right, because of the, you know, you want to know what I've got down there or what I don't have there thing. Or in other situations, it's like, well, because you're not, or I was told once you're not 100% male so because of that you know that's why I can be attracted to you and I was a bit mm. like thanks you know it's like these lovely statements you get told mm. which are dressed up as a compliment when they're not you know um but it is interesting that kind of and I think it is disruptive to people or you know again on certain apps I have had people say I've never had a trans before has been a nice line there which I'm like wow it's a nice opening chat up line you know sort of or you know and I think we do symbolize or represent some sort of curiosity to people and also it creates this conundrum for people because I think to your point there definitely um, people have this like oh my goodness well I am attracted to you but 
what does this people always bring it back to themselves so sometimes you know I slept with someone years ago that they said I really enjoyed it and stuff and I know you're it was a gay man and he was sort of like he's like but now I've, I'm questioning myself about what does this mean about my sexuality or who I am and I could never tell my friends about it and you know and I was just like well you know and I thought wow that's a really interesting view on things and again I've even noted this from even when I get messages sometimes um, it's interesting the times that people want to engage with me and it's normally at a time when they're quite drunk or they might be in another inebriated state because I know that I'll be fulfilling a dirty little secret kind of box that's mm. what all the exotic shag or bucket list of you know oh, wild sexual God. encounters oh, of whatever you know, and I know that that's what's oh, going on and that, that is and, such a flashback that, that was like all my early dating years when I came out was all I've always wanted to sleep with a trans woman. And you're kind of like, what's in it for me? <laughs> like, I've, you know, my, my, my sexual desire is not, I've always wanted to sleep with somebody who always wants to sleep with a trans woman. You know, that, that is not my fetish, <laughs> said nobody ever. Like, flaw. I'm really attracted to men who creep around after trans women on the internet. Flaw. <laughs> And also who don't get out much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, it's interesting. I've noticed a... I, I imagine you might have noticed this as well, Lang. Um, an, an interesting shift in the last few years with gay men and um, sleeping with sleeping with trans men and also and being very open to it. But that also is straying into fetishization a little bit as well. And it's interesting, like... Like, like there's there's a few like trans porn stars now who trans male porn stars. I know there was Buck, there's a, there was Buck Angel. Problematic. Um, oh, is he? Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, that was some nodding there. Yes. yes. It's um, it's becoming. It seems to be becoming more, uh, a little bit more visible, but I guess more as a result, perhaps also more fetishized. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it definitely is because I when I first transitioned, I was living in San Francisco at the time. Yeah. And hilariously, I'd volunteered in this queer art gallery because I'd had an internship. God, that's that so in the through. city. That's very. I ended up. Well, it's very tells us it, but it turned out it was yeah. run by a queer porn star. So I got to meet lots of people in there, and some of the people that I think are visible now were people that just before they transitioned or they just started. And so I met a lot of people that were sort of connected to that, and it was really interesting how how it how it's perceived more over there but over here it was just very very different and mm. you know sort of in a certain queer space there'd be the odd person that you that I knew of that was trans it's become more visible now in some ways but it's also interesting how particularly on more lesbian fringe scenes for trans masculinity anyway like how you're either accepted or not right and you are expected to take a bit of a backseat or people there is still a bit of an assumption on privilege. And yes, I definitely have privileges. I'm not disputing that for one second, but it's really interesting when you navigate spaces as a trans male sometimes, how this sort of instant privilege is kind of branded on you. So you you, you spend your life socialising a female identity and you're told to shut the fuck up, back off, you know, make yourself small. And then when you say, hey, I'm a trans guy, people are like, well, you've got all this privilege. So, you know, you're taking up this space. And, you know, and if, if, you know, and on the one aspect, you get people jostling you. And if you don't do anything, you're considered really soft. If you do do anything, you're being really aggressive and problematic. So it's kind of a weird, like, double but fuck you, basically. This brings situation. us really neatly back to the issue at hand, which is what makes men masculine. And according to this episode, it's those things that you just mentioned. It's aggression. You know, it's 
you know, Aiden and Big having a willy-waggling contest down in Suffern. I was very disappointed in Samantha when she said, I wrote it down, when she mm-hmm. said, men don't talk, they fight. That's just what they're like. A bit, yeah. of, a, bit of toxic masculinity from Samantha there. Um, this episode is drowning in toxic masculinity. Yeah. And the, the women characters do very little to challenge those very outdated stereotypes around what, what makes I men mean, men. Miranda kind of does, but I also think she kind of... I was a bit annoyed at her as well, kind of, when she when she made fun of not made fun of Steve but kind of like immediately slapped Steve down when he wanted when he suggested like getting a prosthetic testicle I was kind of like well if he wants to do that Miranda like you might think it's silly but if it makes him feel better like let him do it and in the end she did go to the like to the clinic with him um (laughs) I did love um, it when she dropped the ball yeah it was it was was the blowing the fluff off it that did it for me (laughs) I also really enjoyed Samantha saying just one little ball. (laughs) 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 But she did make the very, there was a key phrase because I took note of that because that moment and I thought that's happened to so many other people when it's like when she was sort of called out on it. It was interesting that people were just like, oh, I wasn't thinking. And I was like, yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's like people that just, they make that flyaway comment that mm. could make someone feel, and especially when you can see in a situation that someone's clearly not comfortable, but they keep going and going and going. And in some situations on accountability, I think, well, you know, unless someone really points it out to someone, they will just keep going. Yeah. And it can be really unbearable at times. But the main thing that I zeroed in on, this is probably because of the work I do again, <laughs> that I found really fascinating about that whole episode was when they were talking about the crying at work, but the being emotional, because the reason where that has a wider context was if you make it more intersectional in some ways, the thing that I've noticed, so I run a lot of focus groups where I talk a lot with people at all different levels of business, etc. And the thing about the crying at work or being perceived as emotional, which is seen as a more feminine trait. So in terms of this gender binary as well, which I think really does play out. And it shows that I think patriarchy is hurting us all because it's like you either have to be hyper masculine, hyper feminine. So you've got to have big balls. You've got to be all these horrible, gross stereotypes. But interestingly, like women, but also people of colour, particularly and particularly like black women, but also anyone that's LGBT, particularly in the workplace. The minute you assert yourself or you know, you're just basically not being white, heteronormative, you're seen as emotional, and therefore you're a problem, and you're all of these other things, and therefore you are discriminated against more, you do have to actually work twice as hard. So that's one thing that I found that when that conversation was emerging, again, my little sort of radar, I was like, that's really interesting that, Mm. you know, sort of what they were talking about, because those everyday microaggressions that happen are designed to, in effect, keep a certain strata that's in place, which explains why in wider role models and job markets even when lots of companies love to talk about people bringing their whole selves to work then you look at their boards and actually it looks like the Alps you know what I mean it's like that's the representation that you're looking at and because it's expected behaviors and some of the women in those corporate circles are like the Samanthas that perhaps the ones that have to in effect emulate sort of like really aggressive male behavior sometimes in order to be seen as strong and it's really interesting, the whole concept of being strong is seen as this sort of virile or you've got big balls, you've got this, you've got all that sort of stuff. And I had a mentor a few years ago that was even like, well, Lang, you know, you are quite a soft guy sometimes and that's great on some ways. But, you know, if, if you want to get ahead, you're going to have to do this. And I said, no, because, you know, I grew up with no male stereotypes at all. 
Mm. Um, in fact, I if I was asked controversially for a lot of my life, I didn't actually like men very much. So, but so I you knew became I was the one, man you, you wanted know. to be. But I also just thought, well, if we're going to challenge gender stereotypes in society, well, we have to actually be our own people and have the boldness to do that. And that means that, you know, do I want to be a big stereotype just because that's what everyone else wants me to be? No, mm. because yeah. that's that's fake. And that's, you know, I'm not living any more of my life that's a lie basically so I'm not going to adopt other behaviors and things that make me not who I am. Okay let's take a little break there and mostly because I've been speaking into the wrong microphone. If you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, and welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. This week, we're talking about bells of the balls with our special guest, Leng Montgomery. So before the break, we did start to tap into a very particular kind of masculinity which is sort of corporate masculinity so let's drift over from Steve and his testicle let's talk about Samantha and Richard I can't say I'm the biggest Richard Wright fan but I think mainly because (laughs) mainly because I don't fancy him um so there there I said it because I don't personally find I'm sure James Remar is a wonderful man 
but I don't particularly fancy him. So I never really got the whole Samantha and Richard thing. I think he plays that character well, like that sort of snaky corporate uh, corporate character. Um, and I really liked uh, this scene as well. I liked it when um, when he was like looking at her and also slightly identified with it as well. Um, when he was looking at her CV and he was like, this is all just parties. <laughs> um, and um, Was that yeah. triggering? Has that happened yeah, to you, triggering. Dylan? Um, and I also <laughs> found it really quite touching when she's like, and, you know, because of the reasons that we touched on just before the break, I found it quite touching when she was running to the lift, like, like please don't cry, please don't cry. And then the, the lift doors close and she, like, lets herself go. Um, I thought it was quite an emotive scene, I guess because Samantha's always so... Um, so strong um but i just wish she told him to fuck off yeah. from that very first job interview where he's all like you maybe you could work with a man yeah. your cv is all parties and she kind of has to enter into this weird sparring contest where like leng said before the break she has to get on his level when really she should be telling him to get on her level. When he judges her for sleeping with his architect and saying, well, you know, she has to think about the impacts, implications of on her career. And I was like, oh, so why is it again? You are lauded as, you know, you could be shagging your secretary and God knows who else, you yeah. know, but you're lauded as a hero in that setting. But, you know, God forbid a woman that, you know, has had a shag. Why is she, why is this being held against her? Um, a great line as well, which I wrote down, was when she says, what does he think I'm going to do? Get my period and ruin his empire. I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was an amazing line. Um, which, and that's, do you know, Rosie Duffield MP, no one in the world is denying that the vast majority of people who have a period in the workplace identify as women. But the fact is, there are some trans men and non-binary people who might also have a period in the workplace and we're just all asking to be included in the conversation We together. all have bodies that do things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Mine right now is a little bit leaky <laughs> because I think I have some kind of food poisoning. Well, I love Deal with calling that. myself a hormonal hot mess in front of my colleagues sometimes, you know, sort of. Yeah, oh my gosh. If oh my god, one of my favorite people at the moment, and I wonder if they listen to the podcast, I'm really obsessed with this trans woman on Instagram who is like a really vocal anti-vaxxer because you know she doesn't oh know god. what's in the vaccine. And I'm like, babes, you're transgender, you are full of synthetic estrogen. I think the horse has fucking <laughs> bolted. Like perspective, I beg. Um so I'm really like, hashtag synthetic. <laughs> so I, just, I was like, I mean, like, I think if you're trans, you have to really turn your back on the notion of natural. <laughs> I think it's just, you know, it's kind of just, you know. I saw a tweet, I saw a tweet the other day that was like, the vaccine's not putting the microchips in, it's taking them out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, <laughs> logging, off. I'm logging off the internet for today. And um, we're finished. Um, should we go to... Carrie He's not even gone to carry it. But it's time because, like I said, everything about this episode really comes back to Steve's testicles. Um yeah. so meanwhile, in other testicle news, we have we have Big versus Aiden. Um yeah. Batman versus the Green Hornet, which is a reference I understand because I defy gender stereotypes. You know, I I love comic books. And Kato 
is a little sidekick, Pete. Um, I was powerfully sexually attracted to Aiden in, in his checkered shirt. checkered shirt with no sleeves. Yeah, powerful sexual attraction. Yes, leaning against the, uh, I don't know, the banister. <gasps> and also when he tries to get Carrie to grab his balls. What's wrong with me? Why do I want to grab John Corbett's balls? <laughs> or is that really normal? <laughs> I don't know. There's a question for our listeners. Did you want to grab his tighty whities? as I was well? thinking, a quick, a quick aside on that note, when they were talking <laughs> about... Um, when they were talking about like balls, the, the four mm. ladies, um, I for I personally am not c- c- remotely interested in balls. No, like they're not attractive to me. <laughs> um, um, I, I would also I don't I don't entirely agree with. I, I think was it Samantha who was saying that men are always trying to like attract your attention to balls, like mm, yeah, and, are they? Uh, do you know, Lang, on this podcast, if I scroll back through my sexual Rolodex far enough, there is always a story. And once upon a time, when I was living in Kemptown, I'm going to say like 2006. Um, so obviously I was minus four years old. Um, I went out with this guy, and I'm not going to say his name because he had a very distinctive and unusual name. But I think he'd done something to his balls. Like, you know, like that whole filling them up with saline and stuff. Like, you know how that's like a thing? Dylan, you must know this is a thing. Yeah, and we, we've yeah. talked about this before on the podcast. With that weird criminal case. Yes, yeah. with the cult, mm. yeah. With the cult, yeah. the cult of the big testicles. Yeah. And they were enormous. Like, and his penis sat like a little frog on a very large <laughs> toadstool. Like Lang and Lang and Dylan can see what I'm doing, but it kind of looked like like this. Like oh it was, it was. And the thing is, just because I'm not a terrible person, when a person drops trow and shows me what's living inside their underwear, I try not to pass comment because that's not very polite. However, on this occasion, it would have taken someone far greater than me to not go. Wow, your balls are massive because they really were. But that's it. In all my years, just the one guy, the rest of them, to be honest, not in the slightest bit interested. Sorry, testicles. Soz. Wow, it sounds like you're describing a solar eclipse, actually, there. (laughs) Well, the big. (laughs) The penis, the penis just being swallowed by an enormous. And I said, because I think even in 2006, I was dimly aware that some people were having saline injections into the scrotal sac. And I was kind of like, wow, have you had this enlarged? And he was like, no. And I was like. Interesting. Who are you kidding? (laughs) Like, yeah. Or they were possibly very infected. I don't know. (laughs) But I hope that man wherever he is, is well and happy with his enormous testicles. Um, But no, I think I'm fully with you there. And again, you know, when when you've lived lived as a trans person, I think you realise that... It's funny, in my my forthcoming novel, Her Majesty's Royal Coven, available July 2022, there is a line that... 
<laughs> Thank you. There's a ching. There's a line that I really like where one of the witches says to another witch, um, we are not of our bodies. And I think that is very true. And the reason I put that line in the book is because, you know, I started my transition seven or eight years ago now. And, you know, my body has changed beyond all recognition, you know, from top to toe, my body has changed. But I have never at any stage felt different about who I am or what I feel like or what it is to be Juna. You know, none of that has ever changed. And so that's how I know that we we are not our bodies. Though, and I know some people look upon this in a quasi-religious way and think we're talking about souls or spirits. I don't know if it's that deep. Maybe we could just think of it as a consciousness. But, you know, it, I don't feel any different as a human being to how I felt in 2012 when all this started. And, and more's the point, I have been loved at every stage since as well. You know, I had lovers pre-transition, I've had lovers post-transition, and, and it feels like sex is a bodily experience, for sure, but it kind of doesn't matter what that body is like, because I've enjoyed yeah. sex however my body has been. Does that make sense, Lang? Am I, or am I, am I speaking in tongues? Yeah, no, no. I think you yeah, well, tongues, fingers, everything in between. All very important. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, but yeah, I've I've always felt that as well. You know, sort of like having, you know, although I've been single now for about eighteen months. That's wild. Um, You're a very yeah, handsome so. man, Lang. Um, I don't feel it right now, but thank listeners, you. listeners, <laughs> um, if you're listening and you're really, really hot and would like to contact Lang, slide into so I got to thinking DMs, and we will vet you. And if if I think you are worthy of my friend Lang, we we will pass you along. There you go, Lang. <laughs> to to think we thank to you. say that we don't pay our guests truly. Thank you. You have benefited. The day that Juno cured Sleepy Hollow. But um, but on a more serious note, yeah, I've been I've always felt that you know sort of to, you know, when you have sex with someone, it it can be quite a it's a very connected experience. Sometimes it isn't a connected experience, and that's fine because, you know, since taking testosterone, which has been about ten years now, you know, sort of I've realised the difference between that sort of urge for very physical moments that you definitely have, and it definitely is changed how I feel in those situations versus when I'm not and it's that sort of deep connection thing and I've also like reflected on through my whole life you know because I've had quite a few lovers in my time the odd one you know it's it's you know but sometimes it's definitely been times where it's been you know it's been about the act or what we're doing at that moment but it's also been about sometimes how how our bodies and our chemistry has been together and actually for that it it stops to me I've always stopped thinking about genitalia at that point it's the connection that we share and when you have certain dynamics just like when you know it's very different to having that sort of very you know having that really sort of hot tryst versus when you're having sex with someone where you really love each other and you're emotionally exchanging at the same time you know there's so many layers to well it. as we and learned a couple of weeks ago Carrie can only orgasm if she's really in love with someone <laughs> she might want to get that looked yeah. at yeah <laughs> 
I agree. <laughs> you know, just like, I still think the biggest letdown I ever had for Sex in the City all along was the fact with this whole when the final big reveal of Mr. Big's name came about. This all the time it's like Big and whatever. And then on the phone it's like John <laughs> in that really horrible font. The Nokia, the Nokia font. I was just like, I know, I was just like. <laughs> You know, so it's like big, and, and I was like, I wasn't expecting like you know something, but I was just like, John, John. great, you know, like you had John, you know. Um, speaking of it's... speaking of big, he was so good in this episode. I thought mm-hmm. Chris, no, I love boozy chain smirking big was such a mood. What I was... can get her, it... but she can never get me. No, what was it? I love the way around. He also kept fixating on her and stuff, and. Uh, the big thing that I noticed about that, actually, because I was really, you know, sort of, well, I watched all of it, you know, this afternoon, and I was just like, wow, you know, sort of like re- recapping a bit. But the thing that I found really interesting was just how, again, with Aiden, just how insensitive she is to his feelings. Because yeah. that flyaway comment of like, you know, when he's like, well, why does he want to come up here? Understandably, it's like you cheated on Big with him. He's now coming up here and now and the way she's like, oh, haven't you ever had your heart broken? And then it was like, oh, but it's and also previously when she wanted to get back from him, when she kept saying to him, you must forgive me. There was not she wasn't really taking any accountability of I've really made a big mistake, whatever. it. She was just like, I just don't want you to hate me. You must forgive me sort of thing. And I was like, wow, you know, because it was quite interesting because. I do see guys, again, interested about this masculinity point, guys that are perceived as softer, if they do assert themselves sometimes, it's like, you know, there's always going to be the bad boys as such, mm. and it seems that they can do whatever. But if you're the softer guy in the situation, it's like, well, it's like, well, you know, you, you have to forgive me and it should be okay, or you should legitimize what I've just done to you because, well, you know, you're not the bad boy. So because of that, I'm going to just save all my sort of feeling bad about anything or accountability for bad boys but if it's you it's fair game and I just don't I've never quite understood that dynamic but I find it quite fascinating to observe mm. Alexandra Burke has a lot to say about bad boys she says <laughs> oh, the yes, bad like guys song, are always <laughs> catching my eye so it's just it's that that's that's what it's about <laughs> um I suppose we should briefly talk about Trey's sperm um, there I liked, we go. <laughs> I, <laughs> well done. We we mentioned it. It's been mentioned. I liked the fact that they ordered Chinese takeaway and put it on a silver tray in their <laughs> dining room. I I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love how he got really upset. I forgot what he said though. Was it his, his mushu? It's his mushu. He doesn't that, want a side of sperm with his mushu. That was it. And I was thinking, is this a code word or something. <laughs> it was just like, you've ruined my mushu. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, I was like, wow, so this is what people said before Farrah and Ball went on their walk. You know, it's like yeah. that kind of moment of, you know, not before my mushu. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> so much. Oh, poor Charlotte. You know, there are so many red flags. His total reluctance to engage with their fertility treatment is very red flaggy to me. And it's always Charlotte doing all the work. And maybe that's mm. the most troubling thing about Trey's masculinity. It's not that he can't get it up. It's not that he is reluctant to give a sperm sample. It's that he makes Charlotte work so hard for their relationship. And I, I, I know maybe I always feel like a Pollyanna, but, you know, I always just think uh, the right relationship shouldn't feel like an ordeal. And I think later on in season six, we will get to Samantha's amazing rule for relationships, which is, is it making you do this, big smiley face, or is it making you do this, 
horrible frowny face. And I still think that is the single best litmus test for a relationship. And it just strikes me that Charlotte and Trade's relationship is just continually hard work. Um, and she does indeed have to hold up jugs. <laughs> Although actually, no, in the end, it's not the jugs that arouses him. She um, she gives him a handy in a doctor's office. Yeah, and she talks about like whipping up his sperm, which his I was Scottish a bit sperm. Unsure his, about his his <laughs> strong Scottish sperm. And the double emphasis of you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with his sperm, and you know, and also just the just the shitty attitude that, that and I know that obviously with fertility things, this must be attention to people. Mm. And obviously, I don't. I'm never going to have that conversation with anyone, you know, sort of, or even want to have kids, you know, sort of. But it's sort of, you know, sort of that it's interesting that whole like it's the blame thing straight away of like, you know, who hasn't got this perfect virile body, you know, it's like, and, you know, and I think, well, our relationships or with this heteros, heteronormative gaze, is it always this obsession about how you're going to produce children mm. and how you're going to do things? Because, you know, looking, I suppose, looking at it now with a different context or looking at things with a 2021 lens, well, not everyone wants to have kids now, actually, you know, and like it's sort of, and it's really weird that when that was first shot, you know, looking at the time scales for there, it was like that classic relationship elevator, you know, at a certain age, it's expected you meet someone, you get married, you have kids, you do this, or you reach a certain point in your career, when in fact, as we know, things are very different. And it's the other thing that's quite hilarious is how many relationships that follow that model, which is sort of what's drilled into us is that's how you live life. Mm. They all fail. You know, look at divorce stats, look at who's together and who's not. Or this overachieving thing, when in fact people, rather than cheating, you know, it's funny how people that have open relationships or non-monogamous setups or things like that are looked at like charlatans almost, but actually some of the most honest relationships and I know from my own experience that I've had have had that sort of slight element in there because it's sort of had that not that escalated thing but where you're actually honest about yeah. things and also understanding you know that not everyone can fulfill everything I think in podcast terms Esther Perel has actually opened up that world a little bit more for people with having some conversations yeah. there but actually and a vast number of like particularly queer people have been doing things like this for years because we have different types of relationships. Yeah. And the other observation I made as well, which I thought was so funny, was obviously looking at how things have advanced with technology. Because I thought, God, you know, in some ways I was like, why aren't they in a WhatsApp group? You know, or <laughs> wow, they're buying things from shops. Like, you know, they're not just like having some ongoing, like, you know, like ongoing trail of, you know, like online deliveries and just this sort of idea of, you know, and I was like, wow, they're not even having a video consultation with the doctor. You know, it's, like, it's really weird how things can change in our lives. I went shopping on the high street yesterday. It was really weird, but I quite liked it. Wow. That I know. Who, who can <laughs> say? Okay, before we go, we must attempt to answer Carrie's nonsense question, which is, oh, fuck, I haven't even mentioned that she, she starts, she compares testicles to handbags. Oh, yes. What the fuck? What the fuck? Was just like, we feel naked without a purse. Yeah, purse. Like Which made me think, wow, are you really trying to speak to trans men here? But she clearly wasn't. Testicles <laughs> for men are what purses are for women. It's a little bag, but without it, you'd feel naked in public. When the writers were writing that, like, what? <laughs> because that's some bullshit I mean is she really saying that to be a woman You have to be carrying a Fendi Around with you or something That is so deranged It's you know, it's lines like that 
that made Fisher very easy to attack from a yes. feminist it's standpoint. It's Yeah. Like, you can see why people ridiculed it. Yeah, like, also, like, any reasonable person watching that would be like, what the fuck is she talking about? And also, <laughs> Carrie, I mean, come on. If you are a cisgender man who wants to have babies, then the scrotal sack does have another function. Whereas a purse is just for carrying your things. You know, they're very different, Carrie. <laughs> Maybe this is why she and Big never have babies. Maybe she just fundamentally doesn't understand reproduction. <laughs> and, you know, the other observation I've made of all the sets in the city, because obviously, like you, like you both, you've all watched them all. Have you noticed how everyone else, you see them sort of actively engaging in some sort of sex scene, mm. but with Carrie, never. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that very seldom. You see a bit of a, yeah. a, bit of a sheet of yeah, yeah. Maybe it's in the contract. She, she literally did have it in her contract. Yeah, she she did have a special but, contract with no. I did find it funny, especially season one. You see Charlotte getting quite a lot of yeah. encounters, time. situations when she's meant to be like little Miss. I follow the rules. I'm a Ivy based wasp. Mm. You know, whatever sort of category. But with, with, with Carrie, who would be the one talking about it the most, mm. I was just like, wow, you really are. It's all mouth. It's funny. This is um, it's funny. This has been a recurring theme with with our guests with, well, with that, people being like that, those are, that's the words to the doing? theme tune. So as everybody knows, the words to the theme tune are she wears a bra, a bra, a visible bra. She wears a bra, a bra, a visible bra. For sleep, for sex, for sleep, for sleep, for sex, for sleep. And then on and on, and that's the theme tune. She never takes her bra off. Oh. She never, you will always, never going to see Sarah Jessica Parker's nipple. And that's fine, that's her choice, that's her choice. So to answer Carrie's question, <sighs> are men women with balls? No. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> no, Carrie. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> because for the sheer reason that we've established today, which is that a pair of testicles says nothing about anyone's masculinity or femininity or anything. Because in the words of Juno Dawson's Her Majesty's Royal Coven, we are not solely of our bodies. There we go. Um, Lang, thank you so much for coming on So I Got to Thinking. Um, it's been so lovely having you on. Thank you for sharing your insights with us. Anytime. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely to chat with you both tonight. Yeah, will you come will you. you come back another time? Happily. And if oh. we get to have a session where we can even record it in person, oh. I love cooking and making cookies. I will bring you some cookies. Because oh, Nigella you. Lawson herself <gasps> praised them on Twitter Lang. a while ago and I nearly died. Like wow. I nearly did. It Lang. I was Could also you the make... first ever trans contestant on MasterChef a few years ago. He was. <laughs> he was indeed. That's Lang's other claim to fame. That's he was amazing. the first ever trans contestant. But Lang, do you think you could make one large cookie that says I love you on it? <laughs> like Miranda. Like, like Miranda's cookie. <laughs> I could try. What so it has to be a cookie the size of a pizza with I love you spelled out in chocolate chips. <laughs> that is that's all I oh, want in this life. That's, that's easy. all I, I want. I also made a cake that was a Nigella cake that got some praise a while ago, again on Twitter, where I put la because I've been watching It's a Sin a lot. And oh yeah. She said it was fabulous. And I was like, <gasps> I was like <laughs> oh, friend so to Nigella. Nigella what? is doing an evening with Nigella on December the 5th at the South Bank Centre. <gasps> and she cooks, she's going to cook on stage and then do a QA. 
and I'm very <laughs> tempted to buy tickets. <laughs> Please do go. I want to send you a spider. I want to know how many go. creepy men. I want to know how many creepy men there are in the audience touching oh, themselves surreptitiously. Maybe a few. Yeah. yeah. Um, please do join us next week when it's one of my very very favourite episodes of all time it's shoulda woulda coulda until then do follow us on social media at S-I-G-T-T podcast on Twitter and Instagram Leng where can we find you on the internet I'm just at Leng Monty at Leng Monty there you go if you want to date Leng Um, until next week stay safe and we'll see you soon bye 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 you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.